Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Everyday Marksman. Before this episode gets going, I just want to let you know that if you are new to the show, this episode is probably not a great place to start. Uh, it's an Ask Me Anything with my wife based on questions from the audience, so there's not a ton of new awesome information in this. It's more of a get-to-know-you kind of episode. So if you're new and you're looking for what we're really about here doing at Everyday Marksman, I definitely suggest moving on to either the previous episode or the next one. Um, though if you're interested in hearing my thoughts on pretty much just about anything that came up, go ahead and keep listening. All right. Let's get to it. What up, Marksman Tribe? Welcome to Everyday Marksman episode number 25. This is this is a big moment for me because we are 25 episodes in. And if you didn't know this, most podcasts don't make it past number seven. So I'm proud I've gotten this far and we are doing something special it's going to be an Ask Me Anything. I've put out the call, and I'm joined by my lovely wife, Allison. Hey, Marksman Tribe. Hope everybody is enjoying some extra downtime. I'm not going to lie. I'm loving being cooped up with my man. <laughs> so we are going to be doing an Ask Me Anything. So we've been going around collecting questions from you guys about what do you want to know, and we are going to answer them. Now, if you are new to the show, then welcome. This is the Everyday Marksman. I'm Matt Robertson. Our website is everydaymarksman.co. And we are all about living a more adventurous life through learning tactical and military skills. So we're all about marksmanship and physical fitness, survival skills, winning mindset, and all that stuff that goes into building a better person, better citizen, better father, husband, mother, and overall just being more awesome. All right, let's not delay anymore. Let's get on to this thing. So question number one, let me have it. First off, these are really good questions that I don't even know the answers to. So I'm gonna learn more about Matt right here. It's gonna be actually kind of cool. Uh-oh. Uh the first question is, what are your top five articles that have the most views? Oh, that one's easy. So if you ever want to know this yourself, uh, if you go by the website at everydaymarksman.co, right at the very top of the homepage, there's like the two latest articles, but right below that, I've got the featured articles. And these I redo every month based on the current five or six most popular articles. So I can tell you off the bat that the top five are my article about picking the right AR-15 barrel, my article on battle belts, the review of my CZP-07, how to zero your iron sights. And oh, now I just shot myself in the foot. <laughs> I can't remember the other one. Let me look real quick. Uh, it is my article about building a rookie rifle. So I think you can kind of see the trend here that most of my articles are about equipment and picking something right or like little how-to procedures and reviews. Transitioning into the next question, perhaps if you actually read those articles, that would prevent this next question, which is your worst firearm-related purchase that you have ever made. So this one is kind of a funny one because I am obsessive about when I'm going to buy something and spend a lot of money on it. So I do a ton of research on it so that I don't regret that decision. I can vouch for that. <laughs> so I, I uh, there's a couple ways I could go with this one. Um. 
you know, part of me, when I first heard this question, I was thinking like, all right, well, this is probably my M1A, which was the very first rifle I ever bought. Um, but then I kind of thought about it as, you know what, it still does a good job. It was fun to shoot for a long time, and I learned a lot about shooting with it. So I don't really regret that one. So I think the one that probably stands out to me as an actual regret, and I went through optics, and I went through gear that I've bought, but I think the one purchase that stands out to me as, yeah, that was probably a mistake, was actually my, my FN, FNS9 pistol. And I say that because I kind of bought it on a whim, um, you know, I was in the market for a new striker fire nine millimeter. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of Glocks and there just wasn't a whole lot of other stuff. So I saw the name FN and I was like, all right, well, I trust that brand. Um, I had shot my friend's FNP at the time and I, I thought that was a good pistol. So I was like, oh, cool. They've got a striker fire pistol now. Tested out the gun counter, held it, felt good. Thought the trigger was nice. Bought it. And to be fair, it's been a, it's been a very good pistol. I think part of that, if I'm being honest, was we were keeping in mind a pistol that would be good for myself as a woman. I believe that did go into that decision. And maybe we realized after time that it wasn't really the right fit. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it is, it's not a full-size duty pistol though. It has a 17 round capacity. So it has the capacity. The trigger's fine on it. Um, it's accurate. had decent sights. I think what ended up bothering me about it was not so much the pistol itself, but the lack of aftermarket support. Um, so for the longest time, it was almost impossible to find a decent holster for it. Um, like nobody made accessories for it like they do with Glocks. Like you still can't even get a trigger job on it. And then I ran into the problem that, that seems to plague FN pistols in general is that FN as a company produces high quality stuff, but then they don't support it for a long time. So, you know, I've had that pistol since 20, you know, 2012, 2013, and they've already replaced it with the, with the newer FN 509 series. So everybody's buying the FN 509 and still nobody's ever really gone back to support the FNS in the way that I would have liked. So it's just been kind of this thing in the safe that it does a good enough job by itself. It's a decent pistol. Um, I don't not like interested in getting rid of it because it does its job, but it just doesn't do anything for me. Like my Beretta does my 1911 or my CZ, which everybody loves working on CZs. So it's, it's just kind of the pistol that's there. Um, and it hasn't really, I don't know, doesn't do it for me. Next question. Yeah. I love this question because it's about food. <laughs> which state has the best barbecue? Oh man. All right. And we have tried our barbecue. So I think the question's asking like, what's my preferred style of barbecue? Because we've had really good barbecue in lots of places, but I think the style of it keeps coming, keeps coming back to Texas. So I'm going to say for all you Texas guys out there, I believe Texas has the best style of barbecue. I still prefer no beans in my chili though. I don't know if that's a Texas thing or not, but no beans in the chili. Chunks of brisket in the chili? Yes. Oh, yeah. Definitely the steak and the brisket in the chili. Another question that I actually know the answer to. The question is, I'd like to know what scares you most. And I have to say it's alien abduction. <laughs> you can't say that. It's true, isn't it? 
Yeah. All right. So this one requires backstory. <laughs> wow. Thanks for putting that out there. Absolutely. No problem. <laughs> Love you. All right. Um, so this goes back to a childhood dear of mine. And there's a couple ways that we could say that this came about. Uh, the first one would probably be the movie Alien, because I think it was my cousin who, when I was real young, was like, oh, Matt, we're going to watch the space movie. And of course, didn't tell me anything. And then the chestburster thing happened. And I was just honestly freaked out by the whole concept of aliens for a long time. And then in the early 90s, you know, my dad loved watching these unsolved mysteries shows and things that always show alien abductions. And then there was a movie in the mid nineties that was called fire in the sky. And if you've never seen it, it's, it's based on a true story. Apparently of this guy who's a logger, I think it was Oregon and he gets taken. And there's a whole sequence that I remember I watched from behind the couch as I'm like curling down, like trying to watch it on mute. And I peek out and like, he wakes up on the ship and he's like, in goo or guts or something and escapes the pod that he's in. But then they find him and they drag him down this hallway and they start doing stuff to him, like throw him on a table, shove stuff down his throat, then like drill into his eye socket while he's away. It was, it, it messed me up. And then there was the X-Files and then there was, uh, I think is there anything like space related just started freaking me out, which is weird because I love space. Um, go get to like event horizon and then later on playing dead space like all of these things just kind of rolled around the seam of this is what scares me most um so yeah now it's not so much of a thing anymore i probably still won't watch movies about it uh, i think there was one a few years ago about gnome alaska with mia jovovich in it nope no thanks not gonna watch that i remember that but uh but i i think in the a different context of what scares me most um about the kind of stuff that we do and write about and talk about, I think it's uh, not being able to take care of my family, you know, not being able to like in times like in an emergency or something is going drastically wrong, like not being able to take care of the people I love. Um, that worries me. And I don't want to be in a position where I could have done something if only I had had a better skill set, or if only I had actually been caring in the moment. Um, I don't want to be in that position. So that is why I do what I do. I can appreciate that. <laughs> Next question. What is the hardest thing in shooting, training, equipment, things of that realm that you've encountered? For example, my greatest challenge was overcoming OCD of equipment. Training and shooting AKs got me over the need for the best anything. Huh. The most difficult thing to learn, you know, I, I agree with that, with that question, right? Is be, it's that I think the hardest thing for me to get over is my obsession with trying to find the perfect option and, and learn and accept that there actually is a point where the equipment is good enough. It's good enough. And the rest of it is on you because it's super easy, super easy to spend the money and just go buy something new, which you think is going to fix all your problems. Um, and then just think that's what you always have to be doing. And I think part of that for me, what led me down that rabbit hole was I never wanted to be in a position where if I feel like I was having a bad day, at the range, or I wasn't shooting well, I was doing poorly in a match. I didn't want to be in a position worrying that was it me or the rifle. 
So I think I always wanted to spend a lot of money on the rifle to make sure that it wasn't the rifle. That it definitely was me. Uh, but that can go too far into all kinds of other stuff. Didn't you recently write an article about that topic? About how you don't need the best everything and about how practicing your skills is more important, putting in the time. Well, I think that's the overall theme of what I do now. And, that's where, and that's where that came from because that was the hardest thing for me to learn. Um, I think another part of it, I think a big learning point for me was was the realization that not only is it about your personal skill and stuff, but it's also not just about you. Um, everybody loves to buy all the latest Gucci gear and buy and again, spend the money to buy the coolest stuff. But there's a whole skill set in there about working with other people that I think a lot of people either don't know about, they don't know where to go learn that kind of stuff. Um, and that's an eye opener. That's an eye opener for me is realizing that at the end of the day, you can be the greatest gunfighter yourself in the world. Um, and you can look great on YouTube or on Instagram, but you against three who know what they're doing, not going to work out. That's a good point. We're not, we're not, we're not John wick up in here. Um, that's just not how the real world's going to work. What is your bucket list? Holy grail rifle. This I'd actually like to know because <laughs> although I am a hundred percent on board and supportive, I do, I'll admit have those moments where I'm like, you really need another one. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm supportive, but why, why do you really need another one? Well, the second amendment has nothing to say about need. <laughs> All right, so this is a hard one because I feel like I've never really had a holy grail so much as I really like to collect different styles of things. So like I've got good ARs. I've never felt the need to go buy the most expensive one on the market. I've, you know, I've got, you know, just decent stuff and I'm interested in learning about a variety of things. So yeah, well, I'd love to get a revolver. And a I'd, Tavor. Yeah, a Tavor. Learn the bullpup style or an AUG for that matter. I'd love to get into lever guns just to, to learn that side of the house or shotguns a bit more. Um, I don't know if I had to pick one thing that I think if I had it, I would be like, yeah, this is the one because I also know it's a stupid expensive. I would, you know, I'm, I'm very into the bolt guns and precision shooting. And to me, I feel like that's where you can really see when you spend the money on it, that's where you're getting a lot more benefits of things like ARs. I, I, I get, you know, the difference between a thousand dollar and like a $2,500 rifle is there and it's, you know, you can perceive it, but functionally it's not to me, it's not as dramatic as when you go from a $500 bolt action rifle to $6,000. Right. So, you know, if I was talking about the one Holy grail gun, I'd probably be talking about something like an, like a, an Accuracy International AX-308. I like, have no idea what that is. It is a very nice bolt-action, long-range precision rifle. Um, I would probably re-chamber re it into something other than 308 because I've already got that covered. Uh, maybe do like a 6.5 caliber or uh, something interesting. If they had a long-action, long maybe a 300 PR, or a PRC. Yeah, 300 PRC. But I think that would be like the, yeah, I'm proud of this one. Like that's the show-off gun. I would probably go for. Especially since you have shown interest now in doing that precision shooting. Yeah. 
But the, the, the next interesting question to that one, to me, because that's the Holy Grail gun. But if you're going to buy a $6,000 rifle, you know, that deserves a really nice optic to go with it. <laughs> so, that, so that's a whole other can of worms, right? Is not just the rifle itself, but what goes on top of it. And that's where things get expensive. It's already expensive. We're already talking a $5,000 rifle. So of course it needs a $3,000 scope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to lighten up the mood here with, do you wear a Spider-Man onesie to bed or is it He-Man? Nude. <laughs> Not really. Um, thanks for this question. It made me smile. But uh, I have to pick a favorite superhero here. So I'm going to go with captain america me too not just because chris evans is hot (laughs) i wouldn't know (laughs) what else you got Ooh, this is a really good question what is the most useful skill you've learned so far that you never thought you'd need hmm that is a good one all right, so if I had to pick, I think I think it's pretty obvious to me, like when I started this whole thing out, that I was gonna get like expect that there's a lot of good use from skills thing like marksmanship and first aid skills, survival skills, physical fitness, all those things I think I already knew were going important. I think the one that surprised me the most, I think is extremely valuable, is learning how to connect with and work with other people. Um, go back to the early example I said, like you can be the greatest individual gunfighter in the world, the greatest marksman by yourself. That's not going to help you when you have to sleep at night and somebody is coming to your house. That's a great point, especially with everything going on right now. Yeah. Like, so I think, I think learning how to form real connections and build a tribe, build a team of people you can trust. That is something that I find was surprising and extremely valuable. And that goes into a whole other set of skills like the small unit tactics and, and stuff. But didn't you have some exposure to that when you were in the military? I did, but it was different context. Okay. Like I'm not, I'm not shy about telling people that, yeah, I was in the military, but I wasn't a combat arms guy. You know, I was a nuclear weapons dude. So yeah, I had a team and things, but it was, it was just a different mentality. We never had to learn about fire maneuver or buddy cover or, you know, how to set up a watch. Yeah, we did it one time. You know, one time in that the basic training encampment, but um, you've never really spent a lot of time doing it. And I think that's a, it's a huge skill. I think also we're talking civilians right now, mm-hmm. neighbors, yeah. trying to work with them that maybe don't have that same background. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a temptation, especially among the shooting community, um, because we're all fairly private people. I think everybody is kind of worried at times about how we're going to get perceived and we don't want to let people know about our preps and know what we own because then they're going to come for our stuff. But at the same time, you, you can't do it alone. So I think it's important to get to know people who are actually around you so you can work together. You know, it was a really good example that came up in the community the other day where someone was asking about what are some good intelligence sources that you could learn from. And you know, one of the things that reminded me of was a discussion I had read where a guy was a former intelligence officer and he said, you know, how many people actually know the person who carries your mail? Because when you think about it, when it comes to communications and building a team, like the guy who carries the mail and delivers the mail, he knows quite a bit about the neighborhood. That's a very good point. Yeah, he knows who gets what kinds of catalogs. He knows who's getting what kinds of packages from where. 
Does this person order a lot from sgmo.com? All right, well, okay, he probably gets a lot of ammo. Um, you know, they they put they walk they not walk or drive neighborhoods every day to and they'll they'll know if something is standing out as out of the ordinary. You know, because they see it all the time. They're 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 practically doing patrols just as part of their job and nobody's really thought about it. So getting to know people like that and thinking about who can I actually make friends with, I think that's really important. And nobody thinks about that as much. Do you think the people delivering the mail actually think about that? What else are they thinking about? I, I okay, Going I, home I, and I, watching Netflix. Yeah, probably watching Netflix. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I do think there's probably a chance that they wonder who they're delivering mail to and who is this person getting these kinds of catalogs and magazines? Just they notice it. Maybe they don't think about it that much, but they'll notice. True. Ah, this is a good one. What do you think is behind the sudden and inexplicable run on toilet paper? Uh, this one's challenging my faith in humanity. I think a lot of people have explosive diarrhea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, given this is a respiratory virus and not eating Chipotle, I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, and if I had to guess at what's going on, I think it's a herd mentality. I think somebody thought, oh my gosh, I could run out of toilet paper. So they bought a bunch of it and that went on social media. And somebody else said, oh, that's a really good idea. I should buy a bunch of toilet paper just in case too. Then somebody else saw that and the dominoes kept toppling until everybody's buying all the toilet paper. And then you have people who are like, well, I'm almost out of toilet paper. So I really need to buy toilet paper too. And it just is this cascading effect. And I think it's going to, to be honest, I think it's going to work its way through. We saw it with toilet paper. We've now seen it with cleaning supplies. In a lot of places, it's now turning towards the meat in the butcher area. And then it's going to turn towards the canned goods. I think we're going to see this cascading as groups who haven't thought about these things in the past start realizing, I may never be able to buy that again, or it's going to be a long time before I can buy that again. They just buy everything they can. They'll blow a paycheck on it. And A, that's not smart because um, if you don't even have a way to store everything like food, then then you're just going to have a bunch of bad food, but you're also denying other people who may actually have legitimate needs. Uh, and that's just going to cause more problems. Hence the fights that we see breaking out. And then you're also, I think you're not thinking big picture, right? I think a lot of people have focused on buying toilet paper is an example of this. When, if they don't have enough food to last them three days in their house, you know, it doesn't matter if you have enough toilet paper for two months if you're not having enough food to actually poop it out, <laughs> right? So it's it's a weird contrast for me to see that people are hoarding toilet paper but not buying a lot of shelf-stable foods. I would agree with that. I think the general public thinks this is germs. I need cleaning products. I mean, for one, do people never clean their house to begin with? Because Matt and I have several things of Clorox cleaning wipes that are at our disposable. Don't tell them we... that they're going to come steal it. <laughs> I guess the way I think of it is you got to think big picture. And if you are stuck in your home for several weeks and you do a good job cleaning your house and you're not going anywhere, you're not bringing in any more germs. You don't need to keep cleaning, but you do need to keep eating. So I agree. Focus on canned goods, shelf stable foods, maybe figuring out creative ways to eat beans and rice so that you don't get bored. Yeah. I, I think honestly, a lot of people would be, well, this goes to a conversation I had with, with uh, Mike Moore, the survival expert. And he made a point, which I thought was just so 
to the point, right? It was the more that you know how to do, the less you have to buy and carry, right? So you're saying food preparation, right? If you know how to cook your own food in different flavors and styles, like you can be a lot happier with some basic staples that feel like you need to go out and buy all these like massive packages of frozen stuff because you don't know how to cook yourself otherwise. Yeah, take something as simple as quinoa. I don't know how many people like quinoa, but it's actually very versatile. You can make a sweet breakfast in the morning, add cinnamon, maybe a teeny bit of vanilla extract. Or if you want to do more savory, you can use cumin or chili powder. I mean, it's really endless with what you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But let's not start talking about food because now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> All right. Next. Next. What was the timeline in your progression of being present online for gun stuff, such as your forum, being a moderator, and then give or take, did it take years, months? So I am what most people would call a lurker. Um, you know, I've been on a bunch of different gun boards. Obviously, the big ones everybody knows about, you have your, your AIR, your ARFCOMs and your M4 carbines, and, and, and there's been a bunch of them. I've never been a mod in any of those. You know, I've worked my way into like being a senior member in some of them, but my for the amount of time that I've been part of them, my post counts are shockingly low. I'm, I'm pretty sure most people RFCOM would call me a troll, seeing as I've been a member since 2006, and I think I have 300 posts. Um, I just don't really post that much. I read a lot more than I post. So my progression kind of went from, we'll say 2006, 2005 really, is when I, I first joined a gun board because I was first getting interested in buying my a first gun. And that was the my M1A and my 1911. And so I, I joined a bunch of message boards about, about M1As and M1 Grands. Um, if you go back and ask me why I bought that one first, it was because I knew I was moving to California and I didn't know enough about California law yet to say this is how I could buy an AR and keep it. There just wasn't the body knowledge there is now. Um, so I started learning about precision shooting and I, I was planning on getting into bolt action guns way back then, 2006, and just never did until Montana later on. So yeah, my progression went from joining boards, doing a lot of reading, a couple of questions asking about, oh, well, how might, how might this work out? What's the suggestions here? Um, but really it was a lot of reading, years of reading and learning and, and mentally cataloging whenever some expert would come in and talk about how it actually worked, or this is what they saw. And that, that formed the basis of my first major articles about your first AR or buying barrels um, was everything I'd learned from reading and clicking links and following everything. Um, and then it's kind of progressed into now trying to build what I always wanted out of a message board reform was seeing what was always missing before was the emphasis, like too much emphasis on just what can I buy and less emphasis on how to actually learn to use it. And that's what I'm trying to build now. From my perspective, I actually really like the whole community vibe that you really strive for. I think that's really important for people to connect. And I really like the overall message of the everyday marksman. I mean, maybe I'm just a little biased because I'm the (laughs) wifey, but I actually think it's really neat what you're trying to do. Thank you. You're welcome. Foot rub later. (laughs) (laughs) As you wish. What would your recommendations be for a complete newbie just starting down this path? Hmm. In what regard? It doesn't specify, but maybe a newbie in shooting or just 
having that mentality of trying to live a better life with everyday skills? So, I don't know. I think there's a couple of ways this one could go, right? We could go into it as just getting started in shooting. We could get into it from a survival skills thing. I think to me, the starting path with just at very first thing is identify what it is you're actually trying to get out of it. Because I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I'm all for if people just want to go buy a gun to own it. Um, and then, and that's it. But that's not really who I'm trying to serve, you know, who I'm trying to connect. Um, so I think the first step would be identifying that you actually have a real goal in doing this. Either it's going to be you want to protect your family or you want to get into competition or you're just trying to learn the things that you feel like you have never really learned in the past. You didn't join the military or you did join the military, but you didn't serve in a combat arms role like I did. Um, whatever the reason, but identify what that reason is. Find your why. And then I would figure out what you currently don't have. Does that mean, okay, you, you don't have a gun, right? Okay, well, there's, there's one gap. But what is it also, if we're talking about overall good lifestyle and being prepared, like how is your level of fitness, right? Um, you know, what about, what are the easy things you could do? Do you even have a, like a three-day stash of supplies if you need to? Right? Do you have a network of people? And I'm not saying like if you're if you're missing all of those things, then just pick one to focus on first. Right um, now, if we're talking shooting, is an easy one here. I would say the next step from that should be to go buy something that is good enough to be reliable, where the the big gap in performance is going to be you, right? and not not the gun itself. And I would generally say to people not to worry about trying to buy all the parts and build it yourself like I did the first time around um, over the course of like a year buying all those parts. Yeah, you learn a lot about how the thing works together, but you also spend a lot of money that you could be otherwise getting out and shooting and losing time. So buy something that's pre-built. Like there's not, a, there's not really good reason not to do that anymore. Buy a good quality pre-built item and just go start using it. I think that's the biggest one is just start uh, don't get bogged down like I did for a long time and just trying to pick the perfect answer and obsessively go back and forth and trying to figure out, well, I don't want to start until these conditions are met. And then those conditions are so difficult that you'll never start. So I think to me, it's just buy the thing that's going to be reliable and then go start. It doesn't have to have, you don't have to have everything else yet. People will help you out, um, but go start. You have to start somewhere. Yeah. I don't know that I even answered the question on that one. I think so. Okay. I'm actually going to toss out an additional question since most people are going to be cooped up for a while. What are your suggestions of things to do to keep yourself occupied when you're stuck at home? You should get on with some marksman challenges. <laughs> this was not planned, guys. <laughs> I swear. No, I think um, this goes back to setting your goals, right? If you're going to have lots of downtime for some reason, yeah, you could spend a lot of that time sitting on the couch and watching Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus or whatever your your preferred entertainment venue is. But I think you should also look at that as a chance to identify your gaps, like I just said, and then pick, all right, what can I work on? I, yeah, I've got some challenges. If you're, if you're trying to build some discipline for fitness, you can get a fantastic workout in your house just by doing some good body weight stuff, you know, um, and push-ups, sit-ups, just some standard things, air squats, uh, build a sandbag for a few bucks and I would do some work with that. Like I would just 
that's something you could work on. You could learn your cooking skills, like we said, right? How do you cook some more tasty meals using some basic supplies? You could do a dry fire challenge for talking about marksmanship. Okay, we'll print out one of the marksman targets I've got for a challenge, put it on the wall, and then dry fire with it safely. You know, good backstop, but dry fire, practice that. Um, that will give your mind something to occupy itself with, and then you will build some real skill out of it. And for fun? And, I mean, that's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can tinker with all your gear if you want. You can modify this, but I think if you're trying to keep your mind mind active, I don't know. I, I find that kind of stuff fun. Reading books, go pick some books to read. You know, if you're if you're in the Marxian community, you know we have a book club, so you we, we suggest books there that we can have uh, every month big meetings about and talk about what we thought. This month it's Left of Bang. Uh, been a good read so far. So I don't know. I, I mean, I think I, I find self-improvement to be fun. So otherwise, go ahead and watch your Netflix and play video games. We actually just stocked up on some board games. <laughs> so that's a good option. We're, uh, we're going to introduce Allison to D&D. Sure. Yeah. I've never actually played it myself either, I, I, but we're going to try it. Sounds good. <laughs> all right. What else you got? That's all the questions. Okay, there's another question. I can't read it from here. It just came in online. It says, what are some great budget beginner gear that you use and recommend? Hmm. Budget beginner gear. All right, so. What is budget in the field of firearms? That's a good question. I think we have to first define what constitutes budget in what regard. Is it is it budget bolt gun, budget AR, budget pistol? Uh, is it budget load bearing gear? Anything you can buy at Walmart. I don't know if you can buy any of this stuff at Walmart anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Carabas? Car- it was at a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what? Cabela's. Cabela's. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, still thinking about food. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So my, my, my take on this, I don't know what's going to define budget. Um, my idea of budget is still going to meet like a standard. So if I'm talking budget, let me do some quick Googling here. Um, <clears throat> so if I'm talking like a budget AR-15, I am more than likely going to be thinking in the class of six to $800. Okay. I know you can go cheaper than that, but I honestly just don't dabble in that end of the market enough to say like, oh, well, yeah, clearly this is a good option. So I'm probably thinking something like Aero Precision, which you can generally do pretty inexpensively. And they have a good a good baseline of quality. So for like AR, that's probably where I would look. Um, for a pistol, you have a lot of really good options in that, say if I'm saying budget, I'm probably thinking $400 range. You can get some really decent pistols in that era. Uh, even, I mean, CZs could be had really cheap now. I believe the Beretta APX is actually... Um, been on sale a lot lately. So you have the same aftermarket support problems that I had with the FN for a long time um, with the Breda specifically. But uh, yeah, and then if it comes to your gear itself, oh, bolt action, I should mention there, if you're interested in bolt actions, (sighs) complete rifle, I think the best deal going, and this is from interviewing a lot of experts, is probably a Tika. Uh, So Tika, Tika is a Finnish brand owned by Beretta, but it's made, the barrels at least are made in the same factory as Seiko, which is like world renowned. Uh, and they're just really good 
out-of-the-box rifles that are ready for lots of stuff. If you have a little bit more time, I would also dabble with something like a Hawa barreled action from Brownells, and then you can get a decent stocker chassis for that. That's that's going to run you more money than an, a cheaper AR. When it comes to your load-bearing gear, how you're going to carry your stuff, I, I try to sway away from staying purely on the budget end of things because it's not going to last. So I would say start small. I would say get something like a basic duty belt, tactical belt, like from Click Belts, K-L-I-K, um, which I'll link to all this stuff in the notes. Um, but Or I think there's some other ones out there. Blue Alpha Gear is another good one. Something basic and to start with one like magazine pouch of your choice, HSGI, tacos, whatever, and then a holster for your pistol. And just start with something basic like that. And then instead of worrying about having the whole kit done up front, worry about one piece at a time as you need it. That's good advice. Yeah. All right, next. What are some of your favorite books? Hmm. That's a good question. I feel like my favorite book rotates all the time. And most of the time it's like whatever the most recent book I read was. Um, but if I'm trying to think of what some of the most influential books I've read, uh, let's see. Well, a lot of the ones I've already reviewed. So for instance, Lenny Basham's with winning in mind. That's uh, a good one. That was a big one. Um, that really, really changed how I approached goal setting and training. In general, like when I was an instructor in the military, that, that dramatically affected how I trained my students. And I would, I'd like to think it was very successful. I had a great track record there. Um, it also just really changed how I lay out goals for myself. So yeah, with winning in mind is a good one. Um, Body by Science. Another good one. Yeah, also one I've reviewed on the site. Uh, that one is Doug McGuff and John Little. And that was just a huge shift in thinking about exercise and body composition and how to think about fitness. Well, it changed me from a marathon runner to a weightlifter. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I mean, in the same vein as that one, I think Rob, uh, uh, I'm confusing Rob Wolf and Mark Sisson. Mark Sisson's Primal Blueprint was another big one. I think also had a similar effect when it came to nutrition. Uh, that was 10 years ago, believe it or not, that we oh read that. <laughs> no. So that was my introduction into the whole uh, paleo primal lifestyle. Not that that's something that I do all the time, but uh, he made a lot of really good points that I hadn't seen people make before. I actually really liked how it wasn't just about eating like a caveman. It was adapting other principles. Move frequently at a slow pace. Having a tribe... A lot of those types of things. Yeah. It's funny how, how those are things we remember. Like, don't eat poisonous things. Get outside. Uh, lift heavy stuff. Yeah. It's just, yeah, the basic rules for how to live a healthy lifestyle. That was a big one in that book. Um, outside of the fitness things, I think another one that affected me a lot was actually Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. Um, going way back for that one. But that one just had a, a philosophy shift to it that I used to have a really, really bad habit of always thinking about the past and going and kind of dwelling on things that didn't go well for me before. And it was just kind of a reminder that that's really bad psychological behavior to get rid of that self-talk and just focus on what you're doing right now. And I think that that helped me later on through a lot of other troubling points in life. So um, yeah, power of now. Let's be real. Fifty Shades of Grey is totally on your bookshelf. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, if I want to go back into college, I think there was one more that had an impact on me. Like, 
early on when I was a, an ROTC. And that was a gift from my friend, uh, late friend Tommy, who it was by Colonel David Hackworth, and it was Steal My Soldier's Hearts. And the book itself is about how, you know, it's kind of a self, self-congratulatory book about how this one colonel turns one of the worst performing units in Vietnam into one of the top performing units in Vietnam, and he does it with discipline. Uh, and giving people some his people something to rally around, in which case it was hating him, um, you know, and that to include his own people taking out bounties on his head. <laughs> but but at the end of the day, when everybody started seeing that, even though they all were feeling the hardships, that they were surviving, uh, and they were being more successful in missions, that that hate kind of turned into appreciation a little bit. Granted, that was his perspective. Um, he's a controversial character. But yeah, I think that one affected how I how I approach things a bit. When we were first dating, you told me about a book called Altered Carbon. Yeah. Yeah. Is that long ago? Yes. So yeah, when it comes to fiction books, Altered Carbon um, is one of my favorites. I know that Netflix made a series out of it, and they did a pretty good job with it. Um, but yeah, I'm a sci-fi nerd at heart, so that... That was a really fantastic mix of sci-fi and classic noir and just a lot of really nice stuff. Yeah, if we, if we go down that rabbit hole of fiction books, that's a whole whole different ballgame. I could go down the cyberpunk genre. So we'll say that. We'll stick to the nonfiction ones. <laughs> there was a book that I liked, actually, now that we're talking back to our days in Montana, by Susan Overfield called mm-hmm. Saturday Dogs. And it... It was a good read coming from someone who was a first-time dog owner, and I will forever be team dog now. I love dogs, <laughs> but she was a local dog dog trainer. I believe she lived in Vaughn, Montana, mm-hmm. somewhere in that region, and she had just some really good points, and I liked how she wrote the book was in story format, but there was a lot of parallels that she gave to raising dogs to raising children which now that we've experienced both, it's actually kind of funny to see a few of those similarities. <laughs> At. Yeah, adding. <laughs> I remember this one story she told about how she didn't really discipline her dogs physically. She would never touch them with one exception. It was when her dog swiped her steak off her plate. And I remember the way she described it was she pulled its jaw open so that the steak fell out of the dog's mouth. It's pretty funny. I've done that. Yeah. Done that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else? Oh, no. This question's kind of sad. Okay. Yeah. ARs are no more. What rifle do you make your new Scenario X special? Yeah. Okay. So this probably requires some backstory for, for listeners who aren't familiar with Scenario X. So Scenario X is a rather timely seeing what's going on in the world right now with with COVID-19 but Scenario X is a situation I set up for a series of articles about load carriage and the way I put it is there's some nondescript I I think I said it as a natural disaster but some natural disaster has happened and it's had a cascading effect on society where I mean it's economic issues uh, and there's just general unrest going on government services have been slowly turned off um, police, fire, EMS—they are—they are more diverted towards the populated areas where, where there's a lot more going on: riots and shortages, rolling blackouts, a lot of problems. So, Scenario X is about a suburban neighborhood 
where you or me find ourselves in the rather unenviable position of having to be our our first line of defense, which is always the case, but it's no joke this time. So scenario X was about how do you, thinking about how you would handle yourself in that kind of situation. So we use that to talk about load carriage, weapon selection, your your profile as far as like how visible do you want to be with all your stuff. Uh, so anyway, I'll leave, a, I'll leave a link in the notes to that series of articles. But who, no ARs. All right, so he says no ARs. So I think the easy answer out of this one would be to pick something like, I'll take a scar then or a Tavor. But I'll, let's go ahead and say like there's not anything that would constitute an assault weapon. How about that? We had an assault weapons ban. And so anything that was semi-automatic, magazine fed with uh, evil features is no more. All right. Uh, so really the three that come to mind, one, one would be an M1 Garand. But heavy caveat on that, no optics so i can't mount an optics that so and it's just it is it works but it's an old design i'm going to rule out um an m1a m14 because that's still magazine fed depending on which definition of assault weapons they're using that that could fall under it so my next two options fall into uh manual action so we're talking lever action at that point probably lever action 3030 cowboy gun i like the new henry x series honestly um i think that's a really modern take on the cowboy guns uh, and then we have bolt actions so between those two and probably my overall pick for this situation i would probably take a bolt action something more akin to jeff cooper's scout rifle concept so i'm thinking either 223 308 caliber um, relatively short lightweight barrel optic either fixed power or low power. Uh, and so something lightweight, magazine-fed, that I can swap out quickly. And some probably like a Ruger GSR would be a good option, probably the Mossberg MVP, um, one of these modern kind of bolt actions that fit that concept. That's probably what I would go for. Yeah, you don't get a high sustained rate of fire, but you can use a really good cartridge out of it um, that is powerful. You're just not going to lay down a bunch of suppressing fire. What about a shotgun? Shotguns? Uh... I don't know. I'm not going to lie. I don't know a lot of people. I don't have a ton of experience with shotguns. Um, they are good. For the things that they're good for, they're really good for it. But uh, I just think there's better options out there when it comes to balancing handling uh, and range capacity or range and accuracy and uh, recoil management and ammunition capacity. Because uh, a lot of shotguns you can buy, like, yeah, they'll hold five, six shells. Um, if you go through those, that's a slow to reload proposition. And that's not a position I want to be in. So, I don't know. What do you think? I'm keeping my AR. <laughs> I ain't turned in nothing. I kind of feel bad ARs have a bad rap, but I'll tell you, Heimdall and I, we're good buddies. Well, what's Heimdall? Heimdall is my rifle. Or... As Matt says, the wifeful. <laughs> so again, listening, uh, Heimdall was a nickname for uh, Allison's rifle, which was the second AR that we assembled based on all the lessons learned um, in my articles. The one I talk about, the minimum capable carbine, uh, the pictures I show with the brown hardware, that's Heimdall. Yep. What do you like about it? Okay, first off, shooting ARs, it's just fun. 
And I really like the setup. It's lightweight, has a red dot sight, which I'm actually really good with. Simple, sleek. I feel confident with it. That would be my first choice weapon. I know the question is ARs are gone, <laughs> but no, I want my AR. Don't take my AR. And, and assuming we're not talking pistols. So I'm, I'm thinking, all right, I know I'll keep lingering this question, but God, you ask, you ask a gun nerd about what's the ideal weapon for this. So I'm digging into it. I think I would probably take something along the scout rifle and a good high capacity pistol. So um, 15 to 19 rounds. If I could take a CZ uh, P09, which has got a 19 round capacity, nine millimeter. Yeah. I love my PO7, so hey, why not? Okay, next question. Okay, is that it? Is that all the questions? Last check. Any more questions? No, nothing nope, else came it. on. Okay. So what are you thinking? I'm hungry. <laughs> It's 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 food time. No other questions? You have any follow ups you want to ask? Hmm. Let me think. Questions regarding anything that you talk about on your website? Or, or, or anything you want to know. Anything I want to know. This is a wifey AMA now. Oh gosh. Put on the spot. Well, I mean, we have very honest conversations on a regular basis about being aware of your surroundings. Do you have any tips this situation we're in right now? Say I'm a woman. It's my turn to run an errand. I'm going to target. What are some things that I can do before I step foot out of my car to prepare myself for anything that could possibly happen in a panic situation? Mm. So I'm not going to purport myself to be a self-defense expert on this kind of thing. But I think you kind of pointed out already, I think the most important thing you can do for yourself is the situational awareness piece. So that that's two parts. One is get your head out of your phone. You used to say head on a swivel. Yeah, keep your head on a swivel. Be, be, be aware of what's going on around you. Who's, who is close by? Who's looking like, who's staring at you and, and then suddenly trying to duck out of you is a big one, right? Um, but I also think from a trying to be predictive of human behavior kind of thing is anywhere you go in life, there's a pattern, you know, any, and this is, if you, this, this is coming out of this book that we're reading for the book club, actually the left of bang, but anywhere you go in life, there is a pattern that goes on and you should pay attention to these patterns and consider that like the baseline that when you go to target, there's usually roughly this many people who are around, you know, and this is the amount of activity that you see. Now this is what's going on in the parking lot. Just take that mental picture. And that's like your average, your baseline. And then before you get out of the car, look around and notice if anything is different. Is there more cars than normal? Is there less cars than normal? Is it seem like there's more hustle and bustle going on? Um, those are all indicators that something might be amiss. Um, so good awareness starts at paying attention to little things like that. Um, and that applies to everywhere in life, not just going to the store. It could be just looking around your neighborhood. You know, I mentioned the mailman earlier. Like they're gonna, They drive around so much, they know what, to, they know what looks normal to them. And then when you notice that and then you notice what's different, that just gives you a hint that something might be off, right? I think there was, there was a lot of good stories coming out of the Middle East, for instance, where the locals would know that somebody had planted a bomb in really? IED somewhere, um, but they're not going to say anything because they're all under threat too. So 
if you were on patrol as an American and you noticed that the market, which was usually about, you know, this amount of activity was suddenly like really quiet that day, that was indicated. They knew somebody planted a bomb hmm. and was planting, plant, like, because pe people don't want to get killed. Right. Right. So if you notice that there's something different, something is off, listen to your gut. All right. Instincts. Now, yeah. Use your instincts. Um, keep your head out of your phone. And then I would say, like, just know some good basic procedures. I think like as far as what to carry with you, pepper sprays, pepper sprays, a good one. I'll throw a shout out to um, friend of the blog um, who runs Swift Silent Deadly. He has a great article about picking the right pepper spray. So I'll link to that in the show. There's notes. different types, different types, different companies, different um, intensity levels. So he has a really, really good article about picking pepper spray. And honestly, pepper spray is a fantastic option if you are either not able to carry a pistol with you because of legal ramifications or you don't have a permit or like where you're going doesn't allow it. But pepper spray is usually allowed anywhere. So it's a really good option there. I'll link to that in the show notes. I will add as a mom, when I have my baby with me and we're out running an errand, my mama bear instincts are on fire and I try to get in and out, minimal distractions, get what I need, mm -hmm. keep my head on a swivel. I don't, think I've ever been in a scenario where somebody is approaching me and I'm feeling concerned, but I think it's because I don't allow it to get to that point. But I would hope if I were caught in a situation like that, I would make the right decisions and know what to do, how to handle myself. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of it comes down to don't be an easy target. Um, right. Usually these people who are going to cause problems or predators, they're going to look for people who are easy prey. And easy prey looks like someone who's scared of their surroundings. They're being timid. They're not paying attention to what's going on around them. And um, who also just look like they're not going to put up a fight. So physically weak people, people who don't, who don't look aware, people who just like, you can tell, you can tell when you look at, when you watch people and we love people watching, but when you, when you look around, you can tell who's, who's engaged and what's going on and who is just kind of passively going through life. And coming from somebody who lived in Baltimore for four years, I have quite an aggressive appearance for a five foot three, hundred twenty pound lady. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> RBF. Yes, that's me. I admit it. <laughs> okay. Well, if there's no other questions, wifey, thank you so much. Of course. I really appreciate you coming on to ask me anything. Uh, I'm curious for you guys who are listening to this one. Did you like this AMA? Do you want me to do this again in the future? Let me know. Um, come by the website, everydaymarksman.co. Tell me what you think in the show notes. Don't forget to join our community at everydaymarksman.co forward slash community. All right, that is it for me, guys. Thanks a lot for coming to listen in today. I will catch you next time. Thank you, Allison. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>